Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, I am sad to report that the Sabres' playoff chances are just about gone as they fell to the Florida Panthers 2-1 to one on Tuesday night in what was the goalie battle of the season between Devin Levi and Alex Lyon. Alex Lyon ended up coming out on top, making 39 saves against the Sabres. And Levi, for his part, played a spectacular game, limiting the Panthers and their very dangerous offensive attack to just two goals in this one. However, that was not enough as the Sabres only scored one. Dylan Cousins scoring his 29th goal of the season. Tage Thompson returned to the lineup, but you could tell he seemed like there was some lingering issues with his injury there. And all around, while the Sabres did end up having 39 shots on goal, they had some really nice high danger chances that they just could not finish. But Levi held strong and kept them in the game. And while obviously it feels pretty shitty, admittedly, I think I could speak for everybody that it feels like now the playoffs are completely out the window with this loss as the Panthers then extended their lead over the Sabres to six points. There were some bright spots from this game. And again, mainly it was Levi. And we'll get to that a little bit later for what this game and his performance so far and what his performance the rest of the year might mean for his prospects for next season. But in the meantime, Taylor, let's just talk about this game first a little bit. Your takeaways from this one and where the Sabres go from here now with this last stretch of games. So it was an interesting game, definitely. I think it's... Uh, it's annoying, but there's no real complaint to be made directly about the call that Tuck's first goal was not uh, was not a goal. Uh, even if it's not a complaint toward the league or whatever, I don't want to get into the larger discussion about that rule. But damn, it's like a centimeter away from just that being a goal. It super did not affect the play that he was at. Like he was so close to being onside, like an inch or two at most. So that's unfortunate because that's that's the game right there. They would have been tied and it's not you don't want that game to be a three-point game obviously but it certainly beats it being a two-point game where you get none of them um after that I thought they played pretty equal first period Levi was great but so was Lyon and then the second period they I want to say it was the first half of the second period was pretty brutal to be honest they they did not show up at all and it was pretty clear Tage is playing hurt they played decently well after that and and they really the last 10 minutes of the game when they were kind of desperate to the goal. They didn't look a hundred percent in sync, uh, whether it was the power play or the, or just those last 10 minutes, but they also eventually those shots did come and those opportunities came. And despite Levi having a fantastic game, one of the best games any Sabres had all year, Sabres goalies had all year, Lord, uh, Alex Lyon of all people who I made fun of a couple days ago had, uh, a fantastic game an even better game than Levi it was, an unbelievable effort, and it's it, honestly extremely annoying from a Sabres fan perspective and very lucky from a Florida perspective that Lyon 
is having this four game stretch that he's having right now. That he's in the midst of where he's almost a 950 goalie right when they need to uh, win games and get past the Sabres and Penguins. He really stepped up. Uh, and, you know, once again, should remind everyone that hey, if you have a team that's coached by Paul Maurice, you will probably deal with some goalie bullshit at some point. And uh, they're they're the beneficiary of that right now. So, yeah, it's it's incredibly disappointing, but I can't say it was a bad effort. It seemed like a lot of people on Twitter are mad and seeming like they didn't show up or whatever. Like, they showed up. They got goalied. They did obviously have a bad stretch in the middle of the second period, and if they would have lost, like, 4-1 because of that, I'd agree, or even 4-3 or whatever. But they didn't lose because of that stretch, so I can't really blame that stretch too much. Obviously, there were some some costly turnovers there. Just They had high-danger chances. They also just weren't able to convert on. And again, it just felt like their, their transition game wasn't really good yesterday. They just, they, they were with them in the first period too, though. I will say that much, like they were skating with them. And then at the start of the second period, they, they looked pretty good for the first few minutes. And then probably about, God, I think it was maybe like the 16 or 17 minute mark. Florida just kind of took over and controlled the game there, but Levi kept them in it. You're, you're very right about that. You can't say that that was like a make or break part of the game because ultimately it didn't lead to anything thanks to Levi. But the problem is that they just weren't able to reward him for the fact that he did keep them in that game. I mean, my God, imagine how many goals we would have been talking about had UPL Comrie or Anderson been in for that one. It could have been pretty ugly. But what it came down to, like we said, the Sabres really just weren't able to finish. And so this all but pretty much concludes their playoff hopes for the 2022-2023 season. At this stage of the game, I think their odds right now are about 1% to get in. They would need to win out. And I think pretty much everybody else almost just about lose out, maybe win like one or two games, but have to lose the rest of theirs. So highly, highly, highly unlikely, like, had they won last night, it would have been a completely different conversation that we were having today. They would have been firmly <laughs> in it. Like it would have been theirs for the taking, but with how late we are in the year here, just that one pivotal game against one of the teams that you are chasing after pretty much the team you're chasing after now at this point, realistically, letting that opportunity slip was, was definitely disappointing. And if there's anything we could take from it, you know, we had talked about this uh, a few weeks ago that, if there's anything to take away from these games and these losses, it's that these guys are going to remember this feeling right now and remember what they need to do to kind of get over the hump next year, because nothing's going to be guaranteed next year. We don't know what Boston's going to look like. I don't think that they'll be on the same record setting pace that they're on right now, but Boston, I don't think is just going to go away after a season like this. Toronto and Tampa aren't going to go away. Florida built to not really go away right now. And then of course you have some of those middling teams in in the Metro. And so you're going to be in a similar spot next year. Hopefully we'll be the ones in the driver's seat, you know, this time next year as compared to trying to chase people down. But if anything else, at least they are gaining valuable experience here, but you can't help but be a little disappointed Taylor, because this was the closest that they've been this late in the season to be able to take one of these playoff spots and end this drought, which now is seemingly going to move on another year and tie the New York jets for the longest active drought in all of the four major sports. Yeah, it's it's not what you want. Sorry, I didn't even depress with that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not what you want. Uh it's unfortunate. Uh I guess it's unfortunate uh to end a year that's been so uplifting like this. And I think 
there will be a lot of positive and I'm more positive than you would normally be like at this point, like 12 years or whatever it is now. Yeah. I think or this is, yeah, shit, 12 years. All right. Um, so I, I think I'd normally be, you know, more despondent in this situation or more positive uh, about the future. I think what I'm left with is not so much like, I'm not thinking about the drought as much because it feels so inevitable that it's going to end. Uh, and I'm not thinking about the future as much because it still is the future what i'm really looking at here is this year in particular before it ends maybe in five years we won't even care about this but man these last two wild cards were really really up for grabs and the sabers could have gotten them by showing up a few times against bad teams where they just didn't show up by being better late in games in certain scenarios uh, by maybe getting a little bit more injury like, like almost everyone on the rosters like no one's had a major injury no one it which has been lucky but like almost everyone's had a minor injury it's like cage getting injured right now tuck getting injured before that the game samuelson's missed the game's dalene's missed that all hurt uh and i think you just with a few of those things just a few things go right yeah. and then all of a sudden you're right there you're the eighth seed and yeah you lose to boston or you're the seventh seed and you lose to carolina but that would have been awesome it would have been great to break the drought this way uh, and it would come down to the wire in all likelihood. I don't think there's any scenario where this version of the Sabres had like a hundred points barring having actually a good goalie. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate uh, for, uh, for the fans in general and for this, this team, it's unfortunate this, we're going to have cage having 90 points. And we've gone over this a bunch of times, all the cool seasons everyone's having and have that team waste it, and not go to the playoffs, at least for a round. It's, it's disappointing. But well, I, I think the way at, least, at the very least, we're not saying, damn, they had 68 points again. This sucks. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's things to hang your hat on and that we can be happy about with this year. But it's hard to not look back at the Columbus game, the Nashville game, the the back to back games, the, the Philly game, the back to back against the Oilers and the Islanders that they ended up losing like. If they win even half of those, they're in the eighth spot right now. And and we're only talking about games from what, the past month, month and a half? I mean, it was there for the taking. And so, you know, when we say next year at this time, hopefully, you know, that this will be a valuable learning experience for them. It's not some, like, feel-good thing for us to, like, make ourselves feel better about. It's the reality of the situation that – coming into this January, February, post-All-Star break, post-trade deadline stretch run here, they really hadn't, none of these guys, for the most part, with the exception of a few who we've talked about, have been in this kind of a position before where you're playing these kind of meaningful, important games that maybe you don't realize what a random Tuesday in February game is going to end up meaning come you know April. But I'm sure looking back, those guys are going to be mortified about some of these games that they let slip. And so that's really what I'm saying is that going into next year, all of these young guys who have not experienced this kind of a run before that's cousins, that's Darlene power, Quinn, Paterka, Tage, uh, God, Samuelson, like whoever the goalie, if Levi is up, obviously like none of them had experienced that level of play before that level of importance in these, in these kind of stretch run games here and so now at least these guys who are still learning, they're still growing, they're still going to get better. They're going to know 
come February next year, come post all-star break. All right. These games really matter because they're going to really add up. Cause you don't really, I don't think you realize that. Like, think about it. I mean, in the day-to-day, like Granado's job is to keep those guys grounded when it gets into the the doldrums of the season, when you're talking about January and February and leading up to the trade deadline, you know? But at this point now, like these guys are going to know shit. Like if we, like, we can't afford to just like have like a, take a night off or slip up or anything like that. And again, if the difference in that is that this team next year is able to win even like half of these games that we've been talking about, they're going to be in a much, much better spot because overall they're going to be better. But when it comes down to it and they're going to be in these high pressure situations, they're going to have a little bit of that experience that will ultimately help take them over the top. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Am I going crazy for feeling that way, Taylor? (laughs) No, of course it matters to play like games like this. Like it always matters. Like it's, you want, like we want, for example, I don't know if you want this, but like, do you want Ryan Johnson to be in a championship game coming up? Sure. And you go into an example, like all this stuff matters. Of course it does. Definitely. Like this is all valuable experience, but you know, it just, it it's cool. I guess I should try to be more positive because like, we're looking at a bunch of guys who are going to be here for a while, which is nice. Like at the very least, like you have three guys signed or well, if you include Skinner, you have four guys signed long-term and Tuck semi long-term. Like, so these are in, these are all guys you'll have around for the long haul, but with the exception of Tuck, is there anyone that has like legitimately like if the Sabres wanted to make a run in two years, maybe they'll have traded for someone who helps, but like who has that experience? It's just like Tuck basically like Labushkin and Oposo played in the playoffs, but like they haven't been like, I guess what I would say is that they haven't made runs. Oposo won a round once I want to say, and then immediately signed with the Sabres. <laughs> uh, Labushkin played in Toronto. So God knows he hasn't won a round. You know, Tuck was around for multiple conference finals runs, the Stanley Cup run. Who else, man? Skinner's been Skinner and Kirk or not Gergenko. Jesus, I can't believe I said Gergenko. Skinner and Gergensons have played some of the most NHL games without making the playoffs. This team is really that includes basically basically everyone has a huge dearth of guys who have played meaningful NHL games. So anything helps. Well, and you can't just of- uh, not everyone's Devin Levi and can just walk in and be like, I got this to any situation. Right. And I think that kind of directly leads into the next point of conversation here, which is Devin Levi. Again, he was spectacular, Taylor. A lot of the stuff that we were talking about from his debut against the Rangers was yet again on full display against the Panthers, whether it was his ability to read plays, his athleticism, the speed that he he plays with from going side to side in the net, his, his reflexes and agility. I mean, it was remarkable. And again, like obviously Florida's fallen off a bit this year, but you're talking about some of the NHL's best players on that team. You're talking about Matthew Kachuk, who he stopped on a point blank breakaway who he had multiple big saves on throughout this game and also is just like an all-time shit starter in the league too. You're talking about Andre Barkov or Alexander Barkov, excuse me, who is one of the best two-way players in the game, one of the best overall players in the game. You have Carter Verhage, who has been on a, an offensive tear, having a career offensive year this year. You obviously have Sam Reinhardt, who is no slouch and is a prime offensive contributor. You have solid guys on the back end and Aaron Ekblad and, and Brandon Montour. I mean, this is back-to-back games that Levi was put out there against pretty damn good offensive teams. And he was able to hold his own and gave the Sabres more than enough of an opportunity to win with how well he played. 
That all being said, I tweeted about it earlier because I had seen a lot of people online talking about it today. Where does this leave us next season with how this front office is going to approach the goaltending position? There's some folks, I believe Jeremy White was one, who said that Levi is playing his way into essentially being the starter next year, which I do not agree with. Um, some folks who are adamant that it should be Rochester. And I think that there's a lot of people who are kind of in between those two. For me, before I turn this over to you, I just look at Carter Hart. He's who I had used as an example. And we've talked about him how many times with relating to Levi, a handful of times with saying he's kind of your poster child for why you don't rush guys into the league right away and why having some time to really stop and adapt to the game before throwing a guy to the wolves and being a full-time NHL starter is very valuable. You know, like you even look at somebody like Steve Mason, for example, where yes, he came out, I believe he was 20 years old in his rookie season. He ended up winning the Calder and was great. How did the rest of his career go after that? Weird. We've brought it up. Yeah. Very weird and not good. It's one of the weirdest careers ever. And it's not what you want Devin Levi's career to be, right? Oh, shit, like, no. Like and, his... and, and maybe there's some oversight here, but, like, has there been a goalie that's really done that since, like, Tom Barrasso? Like, you know I what guess I'm saying? Wa. I mean, why? yeah, like, there's a few, but not many at all, at least not in the modern NHL. There certainly isn't where they've been able to have sustained success. Like, again, Hart was really good at the start, and they thought that they had something there, and his career has definitely not gone according to plan sense. It seems like he's even as bad as Philly is this year. He's kind of gotten his career back on the tracks a little bit, which is great for him. But for me, with playoffs being the expectation next year, I do not want to walk into the season having that kind of a major question mark and goal for a couple of reasons. One, again, just for the sake of there being playoff expectations, I think it would be good for the Sabres to feel confident about the position going into the, into next year. Is there going to be a question mark there? Of course, because the odds of them going out and getting a bona fide starter, I think have probably diminished a little bit with how good Levi has looked so far. And that all is obviously going to be predicated on how he looks the rest of the year, whether they take a swing like that, you know, I am of course talking about a guy like Saros or like a Demko or something like that, but I don't think you go into next year with Levi as one a and Comrie or UPL as your one B. I think that would be a catastrophically bad move. I think that if you look at the goalies that are going to be available in UFA and available via trade, I think that there's going to be more than enough options out there for the Sabres to address the position properly so that whether you are starting Levi in Rochester and you're going to give him a healthy workload down there and make him work his way up, or you start him off as the 1B and you have a veteran guy in there who he's able to learn from and learn and, and play behind and really you know learn about the day-to-day of being a starter, a successful starter in this league. I think that that is absolutely the move. And the last thing I'll say about it I think what it comes down to for me is I would much rather in let's call it like December of 2023 I would much rather that the front office conversations that the Sabres are having are wow Levi is playing his way into this job from Rochester or he's playing his way into this job from being the backup and is is stealing the job away as compared to the conversations in December of 2023 being we gave the kid the keys a little too early and now it feels like he needs time in Rochester and we need to make the playoffs this year, but our backup options are UPL and Comrie. And so we really don't have a lot of options here. What are we going to do? I would just much rather that they are wrong about him 
not being ready, then they're wrong about him being ready, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, so that, I, I 100% agree with that. So I looked at Carter Hart as an example real quick. Like, he came up in the middle of what was basically a disaster season for Philadelphia goaltending-wise, and he did pretty well. Like, I, if I'm not mistaken, he came up in the middle of 2018-19, uh, and that year, they the, Philadelphia was bad and started eight goalies that year. That's the kind of season they had. Even though he only played 31 games, he was uh, he was the unquestioned starter by the end of the year because the others are Brian Elliott, late career, not playing great. Then Calvin Picard, Anthony Stolarz, Cam Talbot, Michael Neuverth, Alex Lyon, and Mike McKenna. Basically a who's who of random NHL goalies you see every once in a while. Um and then, you know, he, like you said, it, it didn't eventually go well. But here's what I'm asking, Brendan. If you look at the top five, top 10 goalies in the NHL this year, how many of them walked in from a level below the AHL? If we say the AHL and KHL are on similar levels, how many of them walked in and then were just a starting goalie, a full time starting goalie? I'm talking Shesterkin, Sorokin, Saros, all the S brothers, all Mark. Swayman, um, another S brother, all these guys. Which, how many of them did that? I'm gonna go none. <laughs> of course, none of them did that. I mean, it's it's not something that's done in the modern game. Like I wanted to compare Levi to Hashik earlier, and Hashik has there's a million things because Eastern Europe used to be very different. Not many guys in the uh, mid '80s came from Eastern Europe, uh, but Hashik was 28 years old when he became a full time starter for the Sabers. Like he should have been a starter earlier, but no one just really walks in and starts doing that. And I think even Dominic Hasek of all people was not a world beater when he was at first getting minutes for the Blackhawks and even his first few games on the Sabres, like he was just good. And then he was great, you know, became a full-time starter and he was the best goalie ever. It's just, it's not something that really happens. So when you and I say, if Levi is a one B next year, behind a vet, not behind one of these bozos that's currently on, uh, under contract, but under a new goalie, there's quite a few options that that could be based on UFA and uh, trades. If we say we'd like him to be a one B with a chance to earn the starting job, that would just starting the year like that would be like unparalleled in recent times. We're putting the most confidence in the world in him and saying that we're just going to get a veteran for a short time to play in front of him and have him be the back, like not even just the backup but one b get a lot of time in and then eventually hopefully take the starting job by the end of the year or the year following that uh that's huge that's that's like insane confidence that we have in him it's a ton of confidence it's what i think he deserves but we have to be clear about this that's not what the the other good great starting goalies in the league did connor hellebuck as we've mentioned multiple times a year and a half in the AHL. It was his third year out of college that he became a full-time starter. Jimmy Howard took years to be a starter. Granted, there was good goalies ahead of him. And I'm just, I'm throwing Jimmy Howard out there because he had a similar uh, AHL, or not AHL, Jesus, NCAA performance in a season to to Levi. Ryan Miller, multiple years. We saw that happen. Luckily, yep. we had Marty Brown Walmart's at the time. path, UPL's path. Like, oh, let's not mention UPL here. <laughs> well, no, I, but I mean, but if we're just we're just talking about good goalies, even Olmark. Yes, Olmark's a great example. Yeah. Took years, and maybe Levi is a better goalie prospect than all those guys. But like, by how much, and how willing are you to bet on that? Because we still have the opportunity in our plan for him to become the starter. All you're doing is you're paying a veteran goalie for say three years, maybe. And not a Carter Hutton type. If that, 
if yeah, that. if that. Pro- probably a three-year contract, but like then that guy can be a backup. The thing is, you're not that much up against the cap. You're going to pay power and Dalian, and then you'll be closer to up against the cap for sure. But you're also uh, you're, you're having six million fall off with Oposo this offseason, and I don't think a lot of people think he's going to be back. So uh, it, you're, I don't think you're really like – and the cap is going to go up multiple years in a row, as we now know. It's something to consider. And you have Cage and Cousins for probably cheaper than each of them should be paid. So, to be honest, I'm not that worried about paying a veteran goalie like four or five million. No, not and like at I'm all. saying, this is unparalleled confidence. I know you watch those two games. We all watch the last two games and think like, "Holy shit, this guy's an NHL goalie." And no doubt, I had no doubt in my mind coming into this that he could come in and be good at the NHL level for this handful of games at the end of the year. This guy. Has he ever played more than like what, like thirty games at a high level in a season? Like, how many games did he play the last two years in uh, for Northeastern? Like thirty-five games each of these seasons. Right if you're expecting to play in the fifties, and then the other thing before we even get to this, if I had the most confidence in Levi and said, "Yeah, I'm sure he can play fifty-something games," I'm still looking for a different backup than anyone they have right now. The most so, games that Levi has played in a season would be in 2019-2020 when he played 37 in the CCHL. In college, in his first year at Northeastern, he played 32 games, and in his second season, he played 34. So just about the same amount. Yeah, so that, this is, this is going to require some... I, I don't know what, what the word is, like just some massaging to get into the... That's a, which required of every goal. You play a few more games every year. You don't, you don't just step him in and play 55 games. But besides the fact we haven't even mentioned, NHL goalies, even great ones, don't play that many games anymore. Uh, right. I believe Shesterkin won the Vesno last year playing 52, and Olmark's probably going to win it this year at a similar number. So it's if I had this plan, and like I said, I've just laid out in the clearest terms possible, this makes me insanely confident in Levi, not unconfident. I'm having a veteran goalie. I don't know who it is. I sure we'll have more time to flesh out the goalies that are available, but there yeah. are a few that are at least solid. I mean, either of the Carolina goalies, like I know they're injury prone, but Anderson yeah. and or Ranta would be okay by me on the surface, at least. Yeah. And there's a few other ones. But what are your just, thoughts on? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to say my plan would be that veteran Levi is the one B, like I said, with the chance to take over. Yep. And then I would have both UPL and Comrie in the AHL. I don't really see the reason why not. I know that's expensive to have two guys are just who like cares? basically. Yeah. Who, who cares? cares? You have to put Comrie on waivers. You take the bet that no one's going to claim him. I don't think they will. I don't think, I don't think he's getting claimed if you put him on waivers uh, and you, you send him down there and you have two good. Those would be really good AHL goalies. Comrie has been, he's a career nine 11 in the AHL nine 11 save percentage. And he's been higher than that of late when he played. Uh, but like, yeah, Comrie like UPL, is I guess some people still wouldn't want to give up on him. Maybe not quite yet, but he, he I, you don't have the confidence they can be in NHL next year. Comrie, um, interesting. He's 27 now, and really his career, there were some good-ish signs, enough signs that you might take a risk in a year where you didn't make, expect to make the playoffs like they did. I don't really begrudge Kevin Adams for that. But his AHL save percentages have been solid. They're not like anything that blows you away. Just a, a random scattering of NHL games, and then last year, 19 games, 920 save percentage. This year, 19 games, 886. So it's like, so he has two 19-game samples where one is pretty good and one's terrible. That's that's not a guy you can have confidence in. That's a guy 
maybe both of those guys, um, I think, especially because you mentioned injury-prone goalies, a goalie could get injured. Then you have two guys in the AHL. Whoever's playing better can kind of step up. I'm very into that. That's my idea. I'm very, very into that. I'm I'm exactly on the same page with you with him being the 1B next year. But what I do want to ask about for this 1A, we alluded to it there. We've talked about it a few times throughout the stretch here and throughout the season, really. Are you out on the idea then with how good Levi has looked with going after one of the potential younger goalies than these guys? There's four names that really come to mind. And when I say younger too, I'm saying like I'm not on the wrong side of 30. There's four names that have, I feel like, come up in mine and your conversations from what I've seen people suggest of guys who may be available. And that is UC Saros, Thatcher Demko, Carter Hart, and Jeremy Swayman. Do you Swayman? I bring up obviously because Allmark very well could win the Vezina this year, and he's an RFA coming out of this season. But those four names there, do you feel as though with how well you, uh, without while Devin Levi has played, that the Sabres should look for more of a veteran stopgap, like pure stopgap option? Or do you think that the Sabres should try and go all out on a tandem of? one of those four guys in Levi that's going to probably cost you an ass. It's definitely going to cost you a significant asset to get up, to get one of them. And then when the time comes that Levi's ready to take the job, you can then recoup an asset again by moving those guys, say two, three years down the road. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So I don't, I'm sure I really understand what you're saying. Like so you, what, which, which approach would you say, would you like the Sabres do? Or you could, I guess, be in favor of, of either one where Option A is you go after the Anderson, Ranta, Varlamov type, you know, established veteran guy that right. is nothing more than like a pure stopgap at this point in their career. Or you go after one of those four uh, younger, yes. higher upside options in Swayman, Hart, Demko, or Saros. You're going to have to give up an asset to get them probably a pretty decent asset, but you're probably going to get a higher quality of play, less chance of injury and more of like a pure starters role and then you would in theory assuming everything perfectly goes according to plan when levi is ready to ascend from the 1b to the 1a those guys are still not in the twilight of their career and you can still recoup an asset for them two to three years down the line yeah i see what you're saying okay yeah i think with the younger guys there's just varying degrees of what you'd have to give up there sorrow's if you really have that much confidence in Levi, like a lot of people do, I don't know that you go the Saros route. Like Saros, I love Saros. And watching the Sabres blow it down the stretch and get seven goals scored on him every game, all I wanted was Saros. But it's, I think, besides the fact that I'm not really 100% convinced that he's available, that's a that's just a big one. And I think someone's going to swoop in and if he is available, someone would swoop in and give up like multiple picks, like sell the farm for him because he's, he's worthy of it. Um not that I would hate that move. It'd be an exciting move, but it would be kind of counter to what they've been doing recently. Uh, the other guys you mentioned are interesting. Demko is one that I'd really be in favor of. Like he's like we've said before, his contract is not great. He could be, he's been all over the place. He, but he was, uh, he's been all over the place because he was playing hurt this year. So if he's playing healthy next year, uh, he played hurt for multiple weeks. So it was very stupid. And it, it kind of torpedoed Vancouver's season and Bruce Brujo's career. But yeah, him coming here, he's out in three years anyway, right? He's, his contract's up in three years. Levi at that point is 24 years old. So 
not a lot of guys, even at 24, that's, that's really the age when the best of the best goalies really get going. Yeah. It's not like at the other positions, but anyway, yeah, that's someone I'd actually be interested in. I don't believe he's as bad as he was this year or as good as he had been in the recent past. Maybe he's like a nine, somewhere between nine Oh seven and nine ten guy. You, I just you, laugh because we constantly are just like, can we please just get a nine ten goalie? Please? <laughs> I'll do anything. Come on, um, yeah. If Dem- selling organs for a nine ten save percentage. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man, I'll I would kill someone for someone who is good as Antini Emmy in twenty ten. <laughs> so I don't know if that sentence has ever come out of somebody's mouth before, <laughs> but I'm really glad it did on this podcast. Anyways, should we hear a word from our sponsors, Taylor? Yes. Well, real quick though, yes, oh, Demco. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say was the Bruins situation. I hadn't thought about it till today until my friend who's a Bruins fan tweeted at me. Super interesting situation. They're you know what? They're up against a cap wise and I'll get into it after the ad read. Cause it's actually kind of a longer thought, but all right, folks, our first sponsor is DraftKings, and what a sports time of the year it is right now. What a time in the sports calendar. Obviously the NCAA tournament is over uh, both the men's and women's and well, the women's is exciting finish. The men's certainly finished uh, on the other side though, of uh, the professional divide. We have the NHL playoffs coming up, the NBA playoffs coming up. Uh, if you looked at one of those sickos who wants to bet on the NFL draft, <laughs> More power to you. And the MLB season's in full sprint, full swing. We have the in the uh, the world of soccer, we have those races coming out of the wire. So here's what you can do at DraftKings. Any new customer can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, you can buy multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts uh, all spring long. So be sure to Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook every day to see what they have in store. Uh, and as far as uh, any bets I like, you know what I like? Uh, regression on the Tampa Bay Rays because they are not going to play the two worst teams in the MLB every week. So <laughs> bet on some regression for those fellas. Brilliant They're not be undefeated. They're not going undefeated. You heard it here first. Anyway, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right. And then, of course, our second sponsor is Thin Man Brewery. Folks, you know they have two convenient locations on Elmwood Avenue and Chandler Street. Uh... Some interesting stuff coming up with them. First, this isn't coming up. It's ongoing. Uh, Super Freak, available in six packs, a hazy IPA. That's uh, It's sweeping Western New York. People are very excited about it. So if you're in a hazy IPA, check out Super Freak. And then we got something interesting coming up this Friday, if you're not busy. Fridays with Crespo. So what they're with Thin Man has said on Instagram about this is this month, uh, Thin Man is launching a Friday series with Crespo. Uh, expect new co co-hosts every week alongside with all the vibes. Uh, so Friday, Crespo will be joined by Psych, and the fun begins at 10 p.m. upstairs. So this is a a fun little music thing going on at the Elmwood location. So 10 p.m. Friday upstairs. Check it out if you're interested. And uh, Brandon, anything to add on Thin Man? Yeah, man. April 15th, again, as a reminder, Slow Animals is playing two sets starting at 8 o'clock, 8 to 11. It's going to be a really great night. Thin Man Chandler, make sure you go check it out. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we can watch one of these meaningless Sabres games there, I guess, down the stretch. Not meaningless. (laughs) That's a little too harsh. But 
If you do want a good excuse to go to Thin Man also this month, again, April 24th, Monday night, make sure you are coming out to Trivia, Buffalo Sports Trivia Night, part three, hosted by Taylor and myself. It's going to be a very, very good time. Going to get underway. What are we starting at usually? Eight o'clock, right? Yep, eight o'clock. Yep. So we are almost always, uh, we almost always start late. So Don't think we of it as like 8.07, but you have to be there on time. It was Yvonne's fault we started late last time, though. That is true. That is true. Yes, yeah, so I'm anyway. throwing him under the bus on the pod. Sorry, Yvonne. <laughs> Love you. Uh, so Thin Man Brewery, uh, just wrapping up, they have two locations in, in Buffalo on Wood Avenue and Chandler Street. And stop in there to get your six-packs or, you know, to have a good time at either of them. You're hosting an event. Reach out to them. They can host you. There's a lot of interesting events this weekend. I, I can't say what uh, what they were, but they certainly were interesting. And you can have your interesting event there at Thin Man Brewery. The official sponsor of Tage Thompson is American Lemieux. We love it. We love it, folks. Okay, so the Bruins thing does intrigue me because Swayman and Allmark are both good. And I, I kind of, to some extent, wanted to re-sign Allmark a few years ago, but also they were rebuilding and he was always getting hurt. So it wasn't like a full, like, ah, shit, we lost him type situation. Uh, but yeah, Allmark is like, he's 27, I want to say. And Swayman's obviously younger. Swayman's an RFA. Allmark has three years left on his deal. But the Bruins have an interesting cap situation. And they have traded away a lot of picks. They traded away a lot to get their guys in this year to go all in, which makes sense because there was this whole idea before the season that this might be a last dance type scenario and Bergeron and Krejci might retire. Uh, and then you have you know, Marshan's not getting any younger and Pasternak was a free agent. Well, Pasternak signed now, but he signed to quite a bit of money. So they'll be up against the cap wise. Uh, but they're also that's kind of dependent. Like is Bergeron going to resign? What kind of deal does he sign or does he retire? Do they win the cup or not? Because they win the cup, it's easy for him to retire. If they don't, then like, then what do they do? And like, what if it's goaltending's fault? We're all of a sudden the goaltending collapses in the playoffs. That might tell them which one of these guys they want to get rid of. Now, in all likelihood, I think they're going to be good. And if they do lose, it won't because of their goaltending. So, do they want to keep the guy who's likely going to win the Vesma or the Vesma Vesna or the guy who's younger or both? They could keep both. It's just going to be really expensive and going to force them to do more roster surgery. So I think they do get rid of one of them. Here's the thing, though. Allmark, half of the league no-trade clause. So 16-team limited no-trade. Is Buffalo on his limited no-trade list? <laughs> Come on. You can't be putting these thoughts into the world. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, no, okay. So the, the reason I thought of it earlier is because my friend who pointed this out to me at, like basically was like, Allmark, back to Buffalo. You, you want to trade back for him? And my thought is no, right? That's what I'm saying there. That's a, oh, that, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, but I don't know. Is it? I, it maybe is, maybe it isn't. How many more then, years do we have? Three. Three at five million apiece. <laughs> but, that totally depends. Yeah. I have no idea what he thinks of Buffalo. All the reporting uh. when he left is he was not a Leonard type of guy who like hated hated so much here it ruined his life. Like right. he yeah. like uh. he seemingly was uh interested in resigning the Boston offered more money. I would have to really sit and think about that one. That's not something I, I don't feel like anybody can just give like a reactionary yes or no to. Oof. Oh, yeah. No, I just something that I thought was interesting. It is interesting. But no, like if, if Bergeron is. retires, why not just keep both goalies? You like, could. Like you're not – he's he, his cap hit isn't that high this year, but it theoretically would be next year. So it's saving you theoretical money, not real money. Or yeah. maybe it theoretically wouldn't be. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe Ooh. not. But, yeah, anyway – the other person you mentioned was Carter Hart, right? 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't okay. know about that one. Fair. That's a tough one. But yeah, yep. I, I, that's basically where I come down on the goalies. And honestly, I am moderately interested in some of these UFAs. And it's still not clear who's going to be available in trades. That stuff uh, really clears up uh, in these upcoming two months before the draft. By the draft, we'll know yeah. who's available and who wasn't because trades will happen. And then we'll say, sure. why didn't we do that trade? But I can't wait. It's my favorite pastime. Why didn't we go after this guy that got traded? Yeah, it's it's always a good time. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's pretty much what I thought on the goalies. Like, you need a guy. You need him. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's no one, including Levi, no one of these four goalies you should trust to play half the games next year. Hell no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Definitely, definitely not. Well, even though the playoff hopes are all dead at this point, Taylor, the Sabres round out the week on Thursday in Detroit, followed by a home matinee against Carolina on Saturday and next week, the final week of the season. Again, that crazy Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday schedule going up against the Rangers, the Devils, the Senators, and Blue Jackets, respectively. So we will have all the coverage of those games in the remainder of the season throughout these next couple of weeks here. Of course, we'll do our usual end-of-year wrap-up episode two at the conclusion of the season. That would be for the Monday, the 17th episode. But we're not quite there yet, folks, so make sure you're sticking with us through the rest of the season here and through the offseason as well. Taylor, do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share before we sign off for the day? Uh, not really. <laughs> I feel that. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of straight up Sabres presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both presenters of this podcast on the respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. But before you do that, make sure you're subscribed to and or following straight up Sabres. And last but not least, follow the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Last but not least, make sure you're checking out both of the sponsors of this podcast, First DraftKings, and using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And last but not least, make sure you are going to Thin Man Brewery, following them on social media, spending your weekend nights there, spending your weeknights there. Get some dinner, get some drinks, go for happy hour, whatever the hell you want to do. It's your life. Live it how you'd like, but however you are spending your life, spend it at Thin Man. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. This has been Straight Up Savers. What's up?